All right, welcome to the Dadpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Oliveira. And today I'm really excited to be talking to Janelle Anderson. Janelle is an expert in the area of confidence, but uh, to be very specific. Now she is a, a coach. Uh, she herself is an entrepreneur as well, but she helps other women specifically help, help them build their confidence. And for our audience, our listeners here, it, you know, it's really important because most of you are either in that journey as an entrepreneur or are doing it and scaling. And even when you've been doing it for a long time and you feel like you have all the confidence and all the answers, we all hit walls. And yeah. sometimes you sort of need that check to say, okay, what, what did I lose there? And that's what we're going to talk about today with Janelle. We're going to get to know her story first. And then we're going to sort of dive into like, look, 2023 is coming up here. It's right before us. And it's a great time to sort of like put that next year plan in place and get the right resources. And Janelle has a lot of the, those resources, not only in her book, but she does public speaking. She's got free content like an ebook. And uh, we'll, we'll give you all that information towards the end. But right now, I just want to welcome Janelle. Thanks for being on the show, Janelle. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, Alex. Perfect. Let's dive right into it. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I used to be really shy about telling my story because it is a hard story. But it, once I started telling it, I realized it was really bringing a lot of freedom and giving people permission to be real with their own stories. So, mm -hmm. and, you know, I talk about confidence, but I haven't always been confident. And that's... Uh, because I, well, I grew up in a big family and my voice kind of got drowned out. There were eight of us oh. and <laughs> I was the third oldest, but I still, I have a soft voice. And even if I try to be heard over in a loud room, I, I could strain my voice and yell at the top of my lungs, still not be heard. Um, <laughs> so around the dinner table as a kid, you know, I sort of took that in to mean that I was not important. My voice didn't matter when really that wasn't the reality at all. So I was already kind of shy and not very confident, but I went to college and the first well, a series of traumas happened in my life from the time I was 16 until 26. But the big first major one, I guess, was uh, when I went to college, I was a sophomore and 19 years old, my girlfriend and I went out for just some fun and we're hanging out, talking to some guys, playing foosball. And the next thing I remember, I'm waking up in my bed in my apartment and this guy's on top of me and I can't make sense of what's happening. I can't move. I'm really fuzzy headed. And then I blacked out again. So when I woke up the next morning, I realized what had happened. And the first thought that hit me was that it was my fault. I drank too much. I did something. It must've been my fault. And then the next thought on top of that was that I must be just a piece of trash for a guy to think that's what I was good for. So I did not think at the time that I had been drugged or raped. To me, it was my fault. Mm -hmm. And I, that's very common with this sort of abuse and attack. And I didn't talk to anyone. I didn't get any uh, counseling. I never told my parents. I never told anyone because I was so ashamed believing and I had lost my virginity in that event so that was that piled on top of everything because I had been raised a good Catholic girl and I was going to wait till I got married and that was stolen from me but the way I saw it was that I had just been somehow stupid and got myself into that position so I buried it deep but it definitely had an effect on my identity and my self-esteem how I saw myself and went through my whole college years kind of under that fog, if you will. And then 
four years later, I was graduated from college and I found myself sitting on a bar stool in a Las Vegas casino at the age of 23 in the middle of the afternoon, salt machines clanging behind me, people talking, laughing, music playing, but inside all I wanted to do was run out of there. But I couldn't because my boyfriend was standing there watching me, making sure I followed through with his plan. And I felt trapped. I was dressed up looking beautiful, but I felt anything but that. And I felt like I had nowhere to run. And a man comes and sits down next to me and asks me, are you working? Which is the word we used at that time for a prostitute. And I said, yes. And that was my first day as a prostitute, which is how I labeled that. I did not think I was being trafficked. In fact, it was many years later before I ever realized that I had been trafficked. And, and when I first realized that, probably about 10 years ago, I was shocked. I was like, what? No, I, I just, I agreed with him to be a prostitute. It was my fault. So for 30 years, I believed that all of that was my fault. And because I thought that way and saw myself in that light, I was carrying around just a lot of shame and had zero confidence in my value, my worth, my voice, anything. And so I always played small and I never ventured out to do anything that I really wanted to do because I didn't think I was good enough. And I was always fearful and timid and didn't speak up, didn't share what I had on my heart because I felt like who would want to hear me? So many years later, you know, I got out of the trafficking through a phone call with my mom on the phone, uh, well, phone call on the phone, right? <laughs> but it was a terrible night. We'd had a fight. My boyfriend actually had me on the floor and he was choking me. And I thought, oh my gosh, he's going to kill me. But he stopped and ran out of the apartment. He wasn't usually physically violent, but it, things had just escalated to this point. He ran out of the apartment and I called my mom in desperation after three years of being in this situation and desperately wanting to get out. And she said to me, well, you know, I just feel like Jesus wants you to come home to him and have peace. Now, my mom didn't know that I was being trafficked or anything, mm -hmm. but she knew something was terribly wrong. And being, you know, Catholic, that, that was how we, how I was raised, but I thought, well, I always believed in God, but I felt like in that moment, like there's no way he could forgive me for what I've done. I am a piece of trash. I'm worthless. But I was so desperate for home and peace that I agreed to pray with her. And immediately after I got off the phone, I felt this sense of peace just fill me. And I knew I wasn't going to go out and do it anymore. I, so, I suddenly had this resolve and the strength to say no to him. And I did. And I eventually moved back home. And got out of that lifestyle. But again, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't get any help. I didn't get any counseling. I just stuffed it. Mm -hmm. I thought, if I forget about this part of my life, it'll go away. And why would I tell anybody anyway? They will think I'm terrible. They won't want to be my friend. So I just hid it away, thinking that it would not affect my life. But it did affect my life. The thing is, I didn't realize it until I was in my 50s. And I was married again to a wonderful man. We've been married 32 years. And I told him, of course, but in my fifties, I began to feel like, you know, what is my purpose in life? You know, I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life. It's that time of your life where you start to think, wow, 50 years, where did they go? You know, and I wanted to make sure that the rest of my life, I was doing something meaningful and something that I'm passionate about, but I didn't know what that was. Mm 
So as I began to search that out, I kept running into this tendency I had of playing small, you know, hiding out and being timid. And so for the first time, I began to really question that, what is going on? Why am I doing that? I hit that wall, you know, mm-hmm. that you talked about and spent a lot of time in soul searching and praying. And as I began to do that, I began to realize, oh, my past is actually affecting me and I need to face it. I need to process that trauma. Mm -hmm. And even then the word trauma was not a part of my vocabulary when I looked at that part of my life. And it was like a dawning realization that, oh my gosh, I was traumatized. Mm -hmm. What? It's so amazing to me that I didn't know that all those years. And now I know as I work with other women and men sometimes that it's not uncommon to have either trauma or even just your identity that you have created through what you've thought about yourself there, you know, stuffed away that you haven't dealt with, you haven't processed, and it's affecting you and you don't know it. So that began my journey to confidence, basically, is uncovering all of that, talking through it, realizing that it wasn't my fault. I had been traumatized. I had been a victim and kind of rebuilding that identity, finding out who I truly am. And as that grew, I began to see that I am actually worthy and that I am important and that people do want to hear what I have to say. And I embraced that and started stepping more and more into it and confidence began to grow. And it was just a natural progression as I peeled off the lies I was believing, the false Mm -hmm. identity and found out who I am. I discovered that confidence came with that. And so that's what I try to do with other people is help them see you know, you're valuable. Mm-hmm. You have so much in you. Uh, and when they really see that, then they start to be confident. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for sharing <laughs> that story. Uh, it was very touching. And <clears throat> I understand that for, you know, most people that go through any kind of trauma, sometimes they internalize it. Even when they have people who love them, you feel, mm-hmm. as you said, ashamed and and whatnot. And I feel like Part of that is just society, right? It's the world we live in, whether it's the media, whether you have people like um, this, uh, this, this uh, YouTuber, Twitch guy, uh, his <laughs> name is Andrew Tate. Um, hmm. He is a, a, you know, anti-women, you know, anti-feminist. I mean, you name it. Oh, wow. He's, he's like, like the worst type. <laughs> Right. And mm. it's not a political thing. We know that there's plenty of that in politics too, sure. where, you know, we are trying to specifically about with women in the world, right. That mm-hmm. society tries to box them in. And obviously U S is as good as it gets and maybe Europe, but the rest of the world, women are even way further behind on that. And, yeah. and so I feel like part of it is society. And then we still have voices today, like this, this one guy who I'm not going to keep repeating his name because I don't want to give him any attention, but you know, this guy's making millions of dollars um, with these YouTube channels, Janelle um, running on that message and what he's doing to young men, going back to the beginning of your story when you were in college, um, he is teaching young men who right now are, you know, age 13 to 20, who are gamers to Mm -hmm. see women in a different light. Right. Mm. And, and basically, you know, he has flat out said things like, look, if she's wearing this, it's because she wants that. Mm. And 
to me, it's so wrong because not only I have a daughter, but of mm -hmm. course I have a wife, a mom, a sister, <laughs> and you just, it's, it's just the right thing to do to respect all people equally. But mm -hmm. um, it bothers me because I think of a story like yours and mm -hmm. it's this sort of societal, you know, problem that we have where there's people who are given a platform and allowed to 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 do this and and some some people are weak and now i mean when i go back to the beginning of that story for you did you feel like that was a i wouldn't say a gateway but it it sort of mm. compounded itself over time to the point where you were with your boyfriend in mm. las vegas mm. was it just like one thing made the other one worse oh one, yeah one there experience was... just kept you know yeah when i looked back and really processed it through, I realized, oh my goodness, it wasn't just one thing. It was a series of traumatic events that built one on the other. And in my mind, of course, just more and more stories that I told myself that I was worthless and the shame and which caused me to close down and not talk about it even more. Mm -hmm. uh, so in between when I was raped and trafficked, there was a lot that went on in between there. And I got passed around the football team uh, contracted a venereal disease, which later in life caused me to not be able to have, I do have one child, but mm -hmm. the doctor said that was a miracle because I had so much scar tissue. I didn't realize that, but I was so, I had such a low self-esteem and was so desperate to be loved that I would just take any attention whatsoever. And, and men saw that and they, they just, you know, had that mindset that that's what women were for. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry so, you went through all that. I really thank you. I really yeah. am, and I'm I'm happy that you have found uh, a way to, you know, not not only sort of turn the page. Obviously, you'll never forget <laughs> those things, mm -hmm. right? But, yeah. but but you're able to overcome some of the things that probably was keeping you from having the uh, the happy life that you deserve. So talk mm -hmm. to us mm -hmm. about that, Janelle. You know it, why. Your story again is is there's a lot of trauma there. But even mm -hmm. if you don't have that level of trauma, why would women want to learn mm -hmm. how to become more confident? So important to be confident, and you know it. Like you were talking about society and the messages that women receive, and the messages that men receive about women, and all through the ages, and these other countries too, where women are treated even worse, and. That whole thing uh, has, in our, I think, our collective subconsciousness as mm -hmm. women, we have these messages like you shouldn't speak up or be bold or be assertive as a woman because that means that you're bragging or you're aggressive or whatever. You should be quiet and stay in your place and all those messages that are sort of subconsciously living in our, in our, you know, embedded in our hard drive as, as you could say. And so we think as women, and there's been a lot of studies around confidence in women, and this is a very common thought pattern that we should play small, that we should diminish ourselves, that we should not take up so much space and not speak up and not ask for that promotion or that salary that we deserve uh, that connotation that, you know, if we are a leader, we need to be masculine and we need to be like men and all that stuff. You see this all the time. And so we kind of shy away from building confidence mm -hmm. because somehow that equates in our minds with being, you know, 
difficult. Yeah. (laughs) And so really it's redefining confidence. What is confidence? Um, I have done a lot of study around it and the, the meaning of the word, if you go back to the original Latin root word for confidence is fidere, and it literally means to trust. And so I talk a lot about inner confidence, not so much outer confidence. Outer confidence can come as you build skills and, and experience in different areas. You're going to be confident in that one area. Right. Like I play piano, you know, when at first I wasn't confident in, but the more I practiced, the more confidence came. But that doesn't mean I'm confident in me as a person, like that deep inner confidence in my identity, which is where I try to work because that kind of confidence, nobody can shake from you and you believe in yourself and you will try new things and you failure won't bother you because you really know that you are a capable person and you'll try something different and it won't trip you up. But if you don't have inner confidence, then you can get stopped by just one thing going wrong or one word from someone. And when you don't show up in confidence, other people pick that up. And especially if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to build a business, your lack of confidence will keep people from being attracted to you. Confidence attracts people. It attracts success and it helps you to take on more risk, more challenges. And so it's really important to build confidence, but to understand what confidence is. Confidence is trust in yourself and believing in you, seeing the true you and your true essence and worth and value and knowing that you have as much value as the next person and you have gifts and strengths talents inside of you that nobody else has exactly like you you have things to do in the world nobody else can do whether it's write a book or or start a business or whatever it might be and just being able to uh, have the confidence in yourself the trust in yourself to step out there and do what you were created to do and that's that's my mission really (laughs) to help women do that yeah and i think it's such a great message right now janelle especially for younger um, girls, because Mm -hmm. we're living in a very different time than when you and I grew up where Mm -hmm. there was no social media. We know Mm -hmm. how toxic it is. I mean, there's been so many studies done, um, on Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, and all these platforms that are really destroying a lot of young girls' confidences because what they see is not real, but that's what they do is to just just get you in this machine for four or five hours a day, make you feel horrible about yourself. (laughs) And you're constantly trying to appease the algorithm, which isn't even, you know, it's not anything that's, that has any real value in your life. And so when you, when you put that together with the prejudices that exist in the world, I'll give you a quick example that happened this uh, past week. We had some issues with our air conditioner. Ooh, terrible. (laughs) Nobody likes that, especially in Florida. (laughs) But, but, uh, you know, we call some companies over and, and the one company that we decided to go with, one of the contractors uh, in conversation was saying, well, you know, we would have came sooner, but the problem is the same problem we all hear in the media. There's not enough workers out there. Hmm. People don't want to do this type of work, right? Be an air conditioning tech. And I said, oh, okay. Well, I mean, I think it's obviously you get paid well. It's good work. What's the problem? And he says, well, you know what the big problem is here in Florida right now? They're hiring too many women in this field and they're, they don't know how to work. And I'm thinking like, wow. And I came in and talked to my wife and my daughter about it because I, I was about to explode. 
I was about to just kick him off the job and say, <laughs> look, take your prejudice and your hate elsewhere, because the problem that we have in this world is exactly people like you mm. making these statements, right? Yeah. The fact that you make that statement already tells me you're not a good person. Yeah. yeah. Period. So mm. <laughs> as well. So yeah, I've worked with a lot of women in this field. They're just coming in and the, the builders and contractors give them work because they're minority owned. And, and I thought, well, he clearly, he <laughs> forgot to look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm an immigrant. I'm originally from Brazil. So I know what that's all about mm. being a minority <laughs> and it's, you're not going to knock my confidence. And I hope it, he hasn't for other women, but mm. these sorts of ideas and what we see in social media, Janelle, mm -hmm. in my opinion, is part of the problem. And then you see the mm -hmm. politics, how toxic it is. Yeah. And so how do you considering all those things like how do you <laughs> how do you work with women to really say drown this out mm -hmm. and just focus on in like building your internal yes well you know the saying that what you resist persists mm -hmm. so if we're if we're resisting those things coming at us from people that are prejudiced or people that are biased people that are you know against us or or comparing ourselves to other people in social media, we're resisting, we're, re we're in this place of resisting because we don't think we measure up. Mm -hmm. And if you focus on that, it will persist in your life. And so what I try to do is to help women to change that focus from what you don't have or what you are not to who are you and what do you have? And, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. When you compare yourself to other people, your joy is going to be gone. Your confidence will be gone because you're not like other people, <laughs> you know? And so if you just turn all that energy inward to look at what do I have? Who am I really? What am I good at? Where are my, what's, what have I been successful in life and focus on building that. So nobody can take that from you. When you believe in yourself, it doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what they're doing. And in fact, it, for me, got to the place of instead of being jealous or feeling less than, I began to rejoice when I saw other women succeeding or I saw the talent and the brilliance in other women because I was like, wow, that's amazing. Look at what they have because now I'm confident in what I have and I'm willing, willingly sharing it and shining my own light. My light doesn't dim yours and yours doesn't dim mine unless I let it. So it's really coming to that place to understand you are the one that gets to choose how other people affect you. They're going to go and say what they're going to say. Haters are going to hate, but it's you. You have the control. You have the power. You have the choice to how it's going to affect you. Mm -hmm. And when you let it cause you to feel less than or hide away or diminish your gifts, then you've given your power to that person. And there's, there's actually lots of quotes about this. You know, if you, I can't think of one right now, but it's like, if you give credence, credence and credit or whatever uh, attention to other people and the things they're saying, like this guy, or uh, looking at other people on social media, if you give your attention to that, you are letting them determine your life. You take back control of your own life. You get behind the steering wheel and you determine where you're going. And nobody, nobody can stop you from that. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks anymore. Yeah. And in the context, in the context of business, using the confidence and going a little bit broader for those here who are listening and have 
employees and, 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 you know, it, it's, these are, I think are great things that you can pass on to, to anyone, not just yeah. if you're just thinking for yourself, but um, I think of, of, of this in the world of business. If you start a business today, it's natural that, you, you know, let's say your target audience is, I don't know, a thousand people in any given small market. And you've got a thousand people that try your product, whatever that product or service is. Let's say like 80% of them, they try it and they say, I don't like it. Like right from the brand, like, okay, so Janelle or Alex is saying, <laughs> here's what I do. Do you want to buy this? And they say, no, so I don't like your face. I don't like your logo. I don't like your color. I don't like your voice. I don't like this. I don't da, 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 da. like, mm-hmm. you're going to find like 80, 90% of the people are like, that's not my jam. I'm going to focus on that 10% that care. Yeah. And then I'm going to double down and like really serve those people yeah. at the next level. So talk to us in the context mm. of business, how women can mm-hmm. use sort of that, that strategy to really, you know, it's just focusing on the positive. Yeah. And as you said, drowning out all the, the naysayers, because <laughs> in business, you're not going to sell to everyone. Even mm-hmm. if you're Facebook, you're going to have half the world's population saying you're horrible. I'm, yeah. I'm one of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. I used to get so upset when somebody unsubscribed from my list and I'd be, what did I do wrong? But oh. now, now when I see that, I'm like, good, they're not my people. That's right. And good luck. Hope you mm-hmm. find your yeah. jam somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same thing with writing my book. You know, I realized that not everybody's going to like my book, but it's not for them then. Right. It's, exactly. So who is it for? And focusing all my attention on that. And, and then it grows from there. So just as an example, I mean, I've, I've done in-person workshops when I started my business, I used to do workshops at the library. And there was one that I went to that nobody showed up. I did all this work and I go in there and nobody showed up. And at first I started feeling like, oh my gosh, it's me, you know, and going down that road. And then I stopped and I thought, no, it's something else. Let me just look at this. Maybe I didn't market it. Maybe this isn't the right library. Maybe it's something else. And I went out and talked to the librarian and she's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, you know, it's cool. This isn't my market. This isn't, these aren't my people. It's fine. And there were workshops where I had one or two people come. And what I did was I focused on that one person or that, or those two people. And I gave them everything I had. I didn't cancel the workshop. I gave them all that I had Mm -hmm. and you never know who's in the room. That one person might know 10 people that are perfect for you. And if you give them everything and treat them as valuable as they, which they are, you will create a loyal customer who will share about you to their friends. And, you know, another example, like I'm doing a, a, my three day event I do every few months, it's um, coming up this weekend. And the first time I did it, it was on Yes, it's virtual. It's called Storytelling Mastery for Entrepreneurs. And the first time I did it, I had, I think, five or six people. And by the end of it, I only had one person in the room. And I gave it all I had. And she's actually a very loyal uh, customer and a client of mine. Gave it all I had. And I looked at it as, okay, I'm developing this program. I'm developing the content. And it's you know, I'm learning, I'm learning how to put it together. And, and I, and I looked at it as an opportunity to just grow from that. And so I've been consistently focused on those people that are interested as I've 
offered it every time and I'm up to 174 registered. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. So it's growing. And each time I've done it, it's a little bit more sure. as far as people, but I'm learning every time, like what is resonating with people. And I'm focusing on those people in the room because they came and they're interested and I'm pouring into them and that's how you grow. And that's how you keep yourself in that frame of mind of let's look at where's the opportunity to grow. What can I learn from the people that said no, or what can I learn from people that said yes, even you can learn from both of them. I, I love that. The just visually the, there's a metaphor there to use what's happening to your workshops, your Mm -hmm. products and how to build confidence. Cause I think to yeah. require patience. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, you've had to really work over time and be patient and mm-hmm. just keep looking forward in order to mm. grow that. Right. Yeah. And, and I could see it probably in a chart where the two <laughs> lines kind of just continue going up and then your confidence, yeah. your confidence does the same thing. It right? does. It, it does. Takes time for you to build it. It's like a, your muscle that you exercise mm-hmm. and you exercise. And, and I think that there are things that you can do to get into that state of mind. Are there things that you do, Janelle, to um, help yourself? Like, like, do you give yourself a pep talk? Um, what, like, what are some mm. of the strategies that you use to really, you know, get, get really confident, mm-hmm. like in that moment? Yeah. Because again, a lot of people have trouble also, even when they're confident, but sometimes like, like, like I have a neighbor, we went to speak at the city hall here uh, about some stuff and she's a real confident lady. She's our vice president and she's well-spoken, mm. a professional. She hates public speaking. Mm. <laughs> she, said, she said, you're doing it. Not me. I said, what? You? No, you're amazing. And she said, mm. no, that's my like weak spot. I said, no, no. I thought she was kidding. Mm. So. I'm thinking of someone like her, Janelle. Yeah. What does she do to like, are mm-hmm. there tools that you use? Oh yeah. Especially when it comes to speaking, 75% of people are afraid of speaking in public. Is it that much um, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. But really the main, and I used to be too, but the main switch I have done and, and what I, even when I was a musician and leading worship in church, I, I was nervous, so nervous at first. And I, Somebody might have told me this, but it was like you switch your focus from you. Mm-hmm. How do I look? How do I sound? What are people thinking of me? Oh my gosh, I must look dumb or stupid. You know, you like the whole mm-hmm. focus is on you and you feel like everybody's criticizing you, everybody's looking to you. And you <laughs> take all of that and switch it around to them. What right. am I bringing them? What are they here for? How can mm-hmm. I bless them? How can I serve them? How can I give them this gift of what I'm sharing and how exciting it's going to be for them to get a hold of this? So that. Mm-hmm takes all the nervousness out of it for me and it switches to excitement. Right. Because your brain doesn't know the difference between nervousness and excitement as far as the reaction it has and the hormones it starts producing and even the physical reaction. If you're nervous, your heart might start racing. If you're excited, your heart might start racing. It's all in how you're thinking about it. So anytime I feel nervous, I always do that. I always, if you're nervous, you're thinking about yourself. What am I thinking right now that's yeah. making me feel nervous? And then switch it to, man, I'm bringing some great content. These people are coming because they want it. And I'm going to give all I have to them. And it's going to be amazing. And they're going to enjoy it. They're going to walk away feeling great and have all these tools. Like The more I think about what they're going to get, the more excited mm-hmm. I get to give it to them. I like and- that. I like that. That's so, I mean, that's so on point. And I think it's <laughs> a great marketing and business message to mm-hmm. really focus 
on other people. Because if you've already done your homework and rehearsed right. it, and you're ready, then yeah. the delivery isn't that bad. One thing mm-hmm. that I do, Janelle, that has always worked for me, even early on in high school, is that I always thought, well, if I'm if I'm doing a presentation, I have to, I, I look out to the crowd and I think, well, everybody walked to get here, right? Like mm-hmm. no one, like there was not a single person that like floated in because right. they had some sort of superpower. And that always gets me like really on the same stage. Like even if I'm speaking to a group of like very wealthy CEOs who probably think, this guy, you know, <laughs> I don't care because you know what? None of you have the ability to fly. And oh, so one of the things that I good. used to do, Janelle, which is kind of, I, I usually don't share it, but I used to, if I could get the crowd up, like, so if they're sitting, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. say, all right, can everybody get up? I want to get your blood flowing, whatnot. So I ask everybody to jump, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody like just jump a couple of times. And in that moment, when I'd ask people to jump, my mind, what I was seeing was the fact that gravity works the same way for everyone. <laughs> now, they don't know that that's what I'm thinking, but it was this one exercise for me that overwhelmingly seeing a room of 100, 200 people jump up and down look silly. I was like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm here. I'm going to serve them. But the, the point was, it's okay. We're all the same. We're all, We're all human the same. beings. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of different exercises, but that, that's why I asked you. I yeah. usually don't share my own, but uh, I figured that that one has always worked well for me. That's a great one. I love that one. Just seeing we're all, we're all in this together. We're all the same. And, and along with that, like they walked to get there, they came to get, they came there on purpose. I mean, maybe in some instances they had to come. I mean, there are right. times. <laughs> yeah, but most of the time people are there because they want to be there yeah. and they want to hear what you have to say. They're for you. They're not against you. Right. And, and, and maybe that's a thing too. I think I, I, I love yeah. that point. So I've had that experience and I've had many uh, of our listeners when we've done survey share that the ones that are transitioning into public speaking, especially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they'll say, well, what happened was there was this one like really negative person in the audience. And I'll start to ask some of the questions like, what, well, what did they do that was negative? Really, that person was just asking some really like in-depth questions and maybe mm-hmm. you didn't know how to answer it. Mm-hmm. And maybe the easiest thing to say is, I, I actually don't have your the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I will get back to you on that. But what mm-hmm. I can say is X, Y, Z. I felt that way early on in my speaking engagements too, where if someone was really pressing me, I was feeling sort of attacked, right? Right. Um, And you're like, wait a minute. But over time, you come to realize that, no, that Hmm. person is just like that high C who is like really like, you know, they're, they're anal about their, 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 their subject matter. They're there to learn. They're taking crazy notes and they're asking these crazy questions and you think it's, you know, they're picking on you. They're yeah. not. No. Well, you know, that brings up a good point too, is that if you, sometimes people are afraid to speak because they're afraid they're going to be asked a question that they don't know the answer to, or they're doubting their own expertise. And so to your point earlier, be prepared. Definitely always prepare and talk on a topic, you know, don't try to get up there and talk about something you don't know. I, I've had experience <laughs> you feel like, uh-oh, uh, imposter syndrome, what you talk about, which mm-hmm. leads us into that. Janelle, yeah, talk to yeah. us about that. I mean, we hear that term so much, right? You turn yeah. on LinkedIn and everyone's talking about it. Yeah. Um, how do you overcome that imposter syndrome? So I, maybe mm-hmm. I have some confidence, but I'm going to go up there. And even though I know this, I've been doing this 10 years, let's say, mm-hmm. 
but I still feel like I'm an imposter because right. I'm not the top influencer or, or the big, you know, the big voice of the community for this. Yeah. So I have no business up there. I'll mm-hmm. forget it. You know what? I'm not going to do it. Right. You know, even my, even Maya Angelou after her 11th book thought, oh my gosh, they're going to find me out that I'm an imposter. And I thought, man, if she could feel that way and look how successful she was. So again, it's, it's that whole, it's a mindset. It's a pattern of thinking that somehow we're never going to measure up. We're never Mm going to be good enough. And even when we have a high level of success, then the, the thought of, well, I can't go any further because then they're going to find me out. Then it's going to be, Right. failure, you know, so um, I, it, it comes back to really believing in yourself. And mm-hmm. I, I think really just being real and honest with yourself and understanding that you are where you are. You're not where you're going to be. And maybe you'll learn more as you go, of course, but you know what you know now you have mm-hmm. what you have now. And it's a lot has a lot of value and probably is a lot more than the people listening to you and they're trying to learn from you, but you don't have to be perfect to share what you have. And if you don't know an answer to a question, I love, you know, what you said, just be honest and uh, transparent and say, actually, I don't know that, but this is what I do know. So you can only give out of what you know, right? but if you're always learning and growing, you're going to be, you know, at another place a year from now with more expertise. So I I think it's like coming to that point of like, this is where I'm at. This is what I have and it's valuable. And I'm going to give out of what I have now and I'm going to grow. That helps me a lot. Like I'm always learning and growing. And I look back to where I was a few years ago. I'm a lot further along. I have a lot more to share now, but back then I had what I had then and I shared it. And, and uh, so that really helps me with the whole imposter syndrome. It's, I don't look for perfection. I just I am me. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and it's he, interesting. I, I was at a, a workshop at a university recently with about 35 business owners and it was a 90 minute presentation from the minute I got there to like the last five minutes. So for like 85 minutes, there was this one guy sitting <laughs> right at the front like this, you know, like uh, yeah. <laughs> just you know, mm. but these are business owners, so they don't have to be there. They're there because they want to be there. But clearly something about me, about his day, that's often what I think about, right? Someone could be having a bad mm-hmm. day. It's got nothing to do yeah. with you. So yeah. I, I can't control that. But but it does bother you because you're feeling like everyone else is engaged. All, mm-hmm. th- all 30 others are. And he's not. He's just like mm. not listening on his phone, right? Mm-hmm. And I just kept doing what I'm doing, right? I am kept yeah. doing what I'm doing. And no problem. Towards the end. He, he, I said, does anybody have any questions? So we had questions and questions and questions. And then he raised his hand and I thought, oh, <laughs> he's, he's here. Wow. Oh, he's going to tell. And it was an aha question. I hadn't covered this particular topic. And so he says, oh, do you know X, Y, Z? And I said, I'm, I'm sure he was expecting me to say yes. And then like move mm-hmm. on or something. I said, no, I'm not familiar with it. You know? And he says, oh, you're not. And he perked up that last five minutes, he put his guards down and it was, I'm sure to him, like, wait a minute, I've missed out on engage, you know, being engaged this whole time because I, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I wasn't hearing this guy, Alex and, and forget it. And I said, no, t- tell us more about that. You know? And he told us about the, this one software and I said, oh, that's great. Well, I'm definitely going to check, check that one out. I didn't know about that one. So great. Thanks. 
<laughs> after after you know everything finished, said thank you, and I'm leaving. You've got some people that come up and talk to you. Why well, he waited? He waited. He wow. waited. He came right up and gave me his business card. He says, "I really want to talk to you." Yada yada yada. Wow. He's still very very serious, very guarded, right? Um. Anyways, I'm telling that story just because these things happen, right, Janelle? Mm -hmm. And I yes. think back to your point. You just focus on them. I had to focus on everyone else instead of mm -hmm. right. Um, yeah, I can't control what he's doing, mm -hmm. and and I do feel that that's a a, a strategy in confidence in that moment where mm -hmm. you can't. It's like you're walking this tight rope, mm -hmm. and if you focus on the one person who's just not happy, they don't want to be there. You can't. You you can't think that it's all against you, right? Right, right. No, you can't. And uh, a great technique really is to is to make eye contact with people, but move around the room and look at one person for a few sentences, move, look at another one. And the more people you actually look at eye to eye, the people around them feel like you're looking at them and you start to create this engagement and you find yeah. the ones that are really in there with you that are smiling at you. And those are the ones you focus on yeah. and continue to just be yourself. And you're right. I mean, you don't know what's going on in people. You know, it could be they're having a bad day. It could be they're really, really listening. And that's just how they show right. up i don't know yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're all we're all super complicated human beings right so, exactly. so, so tell us about you have you have your workshops you do public speaking you do you have the book the process the star process we mm -hmm. don't have time to cover all of that but i want to mm -hmm. kind of finish out the show you telling us if you could mm -hmm. um part of the process but maybe if you can use one of your one of your customers, maybe like a, a short case study where yeah. here was the problem and here's how I helped this customer overcome that. Is there anybody that you can, that comes to mind that you feel like it's okay to share? You don't have to give us their name, but I feel like our audience, our listeners would really benefit from hearing how this confidence building mm. uh, uh, coaching really works. Sure. Uh, one client that uh, we, I worked with this past year mm -hmm. She's probably, I'd say late forties. I don't remember exactly how old she is, but um, she was in a career in a, a position for, I don't know, 16, 17 years, very specialized skill that she had in the area of um, lighting and light design. And she was working in a company that sold lighting equipment and helped. So she felt very, uh, confined in that role because a lot of what she was doing was more technical and behind the computer and she wanted to be creative but she had been working this job for so long she was really struggling a lot with her confidence in mm -hmm. how do I move on should I try something different what will how will they feel if, when I leave them because nobody else can do what I do what's my husband going to think and do mm -hmm. I have what it, all the imposter syndrome was there uh, you know, that midlife season where you start to feel like I, I really want to make sure I'm doing what I'm called to do and the things that excite me and mm -hmm. afraid to even dream, you know, all of that. And so we began to work through how she was, you know, thinking about herself, how she was seeing uh, her own uh, abilities and her own dreams and you know, the fact that she was the one that could give herself permission to try something new. You don't need everybody else's permission. And uh, even like her husband, you know, worried about what he would say and just kind of like, well, he's for you, isn't he? <laughs> you know, so we started to really kind of work through the stories she was telling herself about why she can't. Okay. And as she began to reframe those to, well, 
but what can I do? And so she started taking steps of action. First thing she did was talk to her husband. He's like, well, yeah, let's see how we can work this out. I want you to be happy. So she began to look at what are the options out there? Tried a different, tried several different ones, talked to different people, ended up getting her dream job within about a month of this process and is still doing that today. And she now gets to work with a building contractor, designing lighting in all their projects. And she has, you know, this free reign to be creative and her schedule has been, is less uh, structured. And so she has more time in her day for her family, which was a huge value for her. So this whole switch Aru and, you know, left her job in a, in a good way and just stepped into this place and realizing that she was really her, her own biggest obstacle was how she was seeing it. And, and that was a, I just heard from her the other day and she said, I'm still loving life and everything is fantastic. And there was another issue, a personal issue that had been plaguing her since she was a kid and just had to do with body image. And she said, I haven't had that thought in months, like it's gone. (laughs) So, you know, she really dug into the mindset, the, the awareness around her own way of thinking. And, you know, we're talking about that with the imposter syndrome too. Like what are those patterns of thinking? What are those habits of thinking? Where did it come from? And she began to unravel all that and was able to give herself permission to really step into her own genius. And now she's, her confidence is there and she's doing what she loves. And so that's really just a a one great example of how working with a coach around confidence can can help you. Um, really, the goal is for you to be who you are yeah. and be free to be who you are and to do what you really are designed to do. And that's what makes people feel fulfilled and satisfied and also successful. So I'm really, for sure. really well, then, happy for yeah, her. Then you guys can have a big confidence festival, right? Yeah. No, I, I really mean that. I mean, I think, you know, it's, um, it's great to celebrate that. I've had coaching myself for many, many years, for probably going 2005 was the first time I had a business coach. So I've had different types Mm. of coaches and I know not everybody buys into coaching until they do it. Right. Right. To that point, I was, I didn't buy into it either. I said, what are you talking about? I'm an entrepreneur. (laughs) I'm a leader. What the heck do I need a coach? And then I got it. And then I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. unbiased, different Mm -hmm. techniques. And what I've enjoyed over the years is um, different coaches bringing different processes, right? Just adding to to some of the blind spots. So so Mm -hmm. some might be more technical, some might be more on the mindset side, right? Mm -hmm. And I've gained so much from that, Janelle. So Mm -hmm. I tell my listeners that because I'm not here to plug you or any other coaches, but I say this because I truly believe, and, and like every other, you know, field of work, not not everyone is a great coach, no. Um, but we brought you on here because we, you know, we looked at your subject matter and your story. Mm-hmm. We found that you had a very unique sort of talent, right? It wasn't just coaching, but it mm-hmm. was the experience that you had, the way you position your story and help your clients build a story to begin yeah. with. Obviously, yeah. you're doing this uh, storytelling <laughs> workshop, mm-hmm. but then doing the whole, you know, building the confidence, which I think helps you personally and in business. So mm-hmm. we're going to add all, cause you have a lot of stuff going on. You've got the book, you've got podcasts, you've got workshops. So you've mm-hmm. got so much to offer yeah. and we're going to add that to the transcript and the show notes and the newsletter and all of that. But uh, I first want to say thank you for sharing 
your story of, of trauma and mm-hmm. also congratulate you on mm-hmm. being able to overcome that. Thank you. And and thank you on behalf of every <laughs> everyone, our listeners, for working with people on helping them overcome that and build their confidence. I want you to, if you can, anything <laughs> that comes to mind, close out the show today with mm. something positive, whatever the mm. message. It could be a quote. I'll give you a few mm. moments here. Uh, yeah, something that 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 is more recent or from a mm-hmm. while back. <laughs> well, one of my favorite quotes that I often bring up is Ralph Waldo Emerson, and he said that the greatest accomplishment of your life really is that to I'm not quoting it exactly, but to live your life as you to to discover you know who you are is really the greatest accomplishment in life in a world where people try to make you be somebody else for you to be you that is the greatest accomplishment and it really is what i talk about all the time because you know at the root of everything i do is that i see every person as unique and valuable and i believe we were designed that way and that when we fulfill that when we walk in who we are it brings freedom it brings confidence it brings joy and it also adds to everybody else you know that's when we can bring the greatest uh, influence and make the greatest impact and make the greatest difference to others when we're being who we are well so, you definitely did that today i I, <laughs> I felt it you are sincere and and just you you can feel all that good energy all the way from virginia here in florida so oh yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> well janelle again thank you so much janelle anderson everyone thank you thank you, thank you.